0: Hello and welcome to a rare Friday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is January 22nd. This is your host, Keon Sobani. I have crawled out of my cave. This morning I woke up and I banged out 1,500 words on Martin Odegaard to Arsenal and kind of the surrounding noise about that. So I'm just very excited to be actually interacting with another human being now. And uh, this is the second installment of a new series where we preview uh, Real Madrid's upcoming opponents. So Jose Perez, who does amazing work for Managing Madrid in doing scouting reports and profiling the uh, the teams that Real Madrid play against, is here, and he is about to give us everything we need to know about Alaves, who is Real Madrid's opponent on Saturday. Jose, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Kian, and hello everyone. As usual, I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's also been kind of a crazy day for I think it was a crazy day for all of us because we were just chilling about going around going with our normal lives and then you have the entire Odegaard to Arsenal news and we've all gone like crazy riding.
0: you you put out an excellent Twitter thread and, and obviously you you are kind of the star of the show here because your graph from last season recirculated right uh, I often like would mention that graph in my podcast in passing when talking about Odegaard's ability to create offense just like on a messy almost stratosphere um that's rare that players can achieve that I mean Odegaard did that in like a six month six month uh blitz last season and that so that recirculated again I think mostly by Arsenal fans right who were just super excited is that correct
1: Exactly, exactly, which was the funny part. Like, you just see all the Arsenal fans circulating that around. And at that point, yeah, I kind of felt inspired to do like, because I have enough uh, Odegaard content. And I also, for example, linked to Ohm's piece on Odegaard, too. Like, there's a lot of Odegaard content that we produce that it is just fun for arsenal fans to read it so i kind of compiled it all into a thread i updated also the that scatter plot with like the whole numbers from the full season just to show that Odegaard were still ranking like in the top right Quadrant, despite his decline in the second half of the season so yeah uh, it's been a fun day I think for all of us when it comes to writing about Odegaard yes
0: well so I look I know this podcast is about Alvez, but just given the nature of of Odegaard and the story and the big story that it is we can let's just maybe spend a few seconds talking about it and again I think if anyone wants some more detailed kind of analysis I think you can go read read uh, Jose's thread on Twitter, which outlines it all, um, and then also go read my piece today. But, I, but I'm but i curious to know, like, do you think, because as I was writing it, and as I've been thinking about this, I feel like this way a lot about a, a lot of deals, where I'm like, initially I'm kind of like on the fence about it, but as I talk myself into it, I start to warm up to the idea, be it right or wrongly. The reason I started to warm up to this a little bit because then you start hearing all these reputable reports of you know Arteta called Odegaard, they had a chat, and I just don't think that Odegaard is going to London to replicate a situation in Madrid, right? He's going like if he's leaving, it's it's because he's going to go play, and I and I think with Real Sociedad, I just don't think it was possible. Real Sociedad were asking for a buyback or an extended loan, plus David Silva is there now, so it's not the same situation that he left and Arsenal are struggling but you know the fact that he might slide into there and Thomas Partey has already upgraded that midfield um, pretty well I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see how that works so is there is there a part of you that's excited about this or are you worried mostly?
1: Um I'm actually not that worried about it. I I hope like at this point my main worry about Odegaard are the injuries with respect to how he fits at Arsenal. It's really funny because every time, for example, that for between the post we review a game an Arsenal game, we keep saying these people need an eight or ten profile in that mid midfield, mm. and it's just like and it just fits the Odegaard profile to a T. So. The fit was kind of perfect. Right now, they've actually have this young kid like Emil Smith Rowe that has been doing quite well in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with Odegaard, they get an even like more mature upgrade for for that eight to ten role that they really, really, really need. I think it's the role that it that was severely lacking in that midfield, and it it would make sense for Odegaard to just slot in. Uh, uh, like into that role and and get some meaningful mi- minutes so I am a bit I'm hopeful about it
0: I'm yeah I'm I'm curious and I'm cautiously excited about it I think one of the things that we've noticed with Arsenal too on the loan tracker is despite kind of the season they had and some of the rocky tactical things and and the way they defend and, and some of their unimaginative moments offensively they do have good individual pieces, and Saka's another one that looks really good. Obama-Yang seems to have woken up in a little bit in the last couple of games. And I just kind of wonder, like, if they can get, like, Saka, Obama-Yang, and Odegaard all fitting together, How that, what that looks like, plus Partey and maybe Ceballos behind them. I'm kind of envisioning a 4-2-3-1. In my mind. I don't know what Arteta is thinking, but I, I, I'm curious to know how that all works. And, um, and obviously, now we get to see Ceballos and Odegaard together, I think. I mean, so... I, that, that's got to be at least intriguing, right if from from just our as a ram fan perspective you kind of kill two birds with one stone seeing those two guys together so that that'll be interesting too right
1: yeah uh, yeah uh, and uh, I, for, at least for Arsenal like the way I see that squad is that they always had some really interesting profiles but you just had lacking like certain players who could for example link up like the deeper midfield with the forwards so Again, once you get like roles, once you get people like Odegaard or like this new kid Smith, bro, they this might help a lot. Ar, Ar, this might help Arsenal a lot to just finally get those final pieces of the puzzle together, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm mostly with Odegaard. I'm mostly worried about the injuries. That's yeah. my main worry, actually. Yeah,
0: yeah. That that's that's one thing that uh, that's the unfortunate thing we do have to worry about, and we just hope that he can stay healthy and. Uh, as you as you outlined in your Twitter thread, also bringing up the chronic knee injuries, um, we just hope that he can recover and have a normal normal career, or, or even a great career like Rafael Nadal did, right, with a similar injury. Um, let's talk about Alaves, who Real Madrid will play tomorrow. It's weird, Jose, because this seems like a million years ago. But Real Madrid actually lost to Alavez in November, and in my my mind, that feels like last last season almost. It feels like so long ago. So they lost two one, Talavez at home, and this is on the back. I think it was the Inter game which they won, so there was a bit of a Champions League hangover to it. And they, uh, it was a weird game. Like Courtois even had to make a bunch of saves to make it uh, better than it actually was. And this was a, a game where Mariano was getting on the end of a million crosses and, and basically heading everything at right up at Pacheco. So, what do you, what has changed? for Alaves since, since that game in November?
1: Funnily enough, Alaves have changed managers since that happened. Mm. Uh, but I don't think the game will be very different. Like back then, Pablo Machin was defending, was defending with a 4-4-2. New manager, Abelardo, will also go with a similar 4-4-2 approach. So even though they've switched managers, I expect a, a similar game to last time.
0: So last time, if we're kind of just talking about like what, how that went down, again, I, I think refreshers are always good because even, even I forget. I mean, you talk about the same team every day. You, you kind of start blurring everything together. Um, in that game, um, what, is, what is it that you think made it difficult for Real Madrid to break that team down? And assuming that it's, it might go down in a similar way tactically, what do they need to do differently?
1: So if I recall correctly, that game, uh, yeah, that game, we were not just lacking Benzema, but also Ramos. And of course, like this team's uh, spine is basically Ramos cross Benzema. If they're not there, the buildup tends to look terrible. Uh, And it all started from there. Like it was clear that the team was not moving the ball as well as it could because we were lacking those key players in the buildup phase. For this one, there's no Ramos, so that's a bit worrying. Um, and there's no Nacho who was actually doing a good job in the absence of Ramos. Uh, so that is a bit worrying, uh, from the buildup phase, but at least pense my sin. So, uh, but we, it, it might, it again, given the absences and it might end up being similar, uh, Similar struggles to the ones in the last game, and it might there might still be issues. For example, in, in Real building up uh, and trying to play out of the back, for example, I, one of the goals um, in that in that Alaves game came from like a pass from uh, from Courtois that got intercepted and, and turned into a goal. So it and Alaves is not that aggressive at pressing, but they will press again. Like the goal kicks or the situations where you make a back pass to the keeper, those situations they will, are the ones they will likely press.
0: Well, I, I think that's interesting too because, like, one of the things that impressed me with Alaves in that game in November was that they, I mean, their transition defense was pretty good, and, and they they didn't have to encounter that problem much because they were in a lower block. But uh, this is, I mean, this is going to be a recurring conversation and possibly something we will have to bring up in in many of these. Uh, preview podcast is that like I love as they did a really good job packing the flanks mostly the left side and Real Madrid's entire game plan was to just get the ball to Mariano in the box and that they seemed to defend that well because they packed the flanks so one they limited crosses so any of the crosses that had to come in were from Vasquez on the other side and actually he did an okay job getting good balls in but again Mariano's headers were were generally straight at Pacheco so I wonder how much that will will differ um, do you kind of see Do you see this just following a trend of this is how this is just going to be another difficult game in the Real Madrid versus Low Block era? It's just, it's not going to be pretty. Do you feel like that's going to be what we're going to, that's basically what we're going to see tomorrow?
1: 100%. Yes. This is going to be another one of those. Uh, It's going to feature, I presume. Uh, usually, when Mariano plays, then the approach tends to tend more towards crosses, which which honestly makes sense because yeah. like Mariano is actually good at winning those duels. Uh, here with Asak and Benzema, hopefully there will be a bit more passing and a bit more setting up before sending the cross uh, into the box. But uh, it will be it will be a similar situation. It will be another situation where, for example the lack of dribblers uh hurts the team uh ideally this is another game where i would like vinicius to start but it's probably not going to happen uh, like especially after the alcoyonazo mm-hmm. i mean i think the lesson that sidan will the takeaway that sidan has whether whether we agree with it or not is that he has to keep sticking to like his most trusted 11 so i expect that the wingers For tomorrow's game will still be Asensio and Asac. So once again, it will depend the ability to break down Alaves' deep block will depend a lot on Asac and Modric's like dribbling and close control. If they have a good day in terms of dribbling, it might make things easier.
0: I, and I do wonder how that'll work. I mean, because, again, if, if Alavaz are going to pack the flanks, that, that puts more onus on Hazard to start doing things and breaking lines. And and, and I think he needs to start doing that right away, like getting that mindset early where he's not going to be a passenger in this offense where he can actually just take players on make things happen. Um, that, Vin- that Vinicius versus Alcoyonaso, that whole thing was a, was a disaster. I mean, and, and very very much so a disaster for him specifically too, as much as the mm-hmm. whole team came out of that with uh, their heads uh, their heads hung. Vinicius had a couple of bad sequences, one of them famously now circling on Twitter, the, the Marcelo thing, and then failing to mark his man on the corner. Um, but also, he didn't have much space to work with, and he wasn't very efficient with the ball at his feet either. And... But 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 I think that you just do need somebody to kind of go at Alavez here and kind of get them to budge a little bit. Can you talk to us about Abelardo's first couple of games in charge? I know that you know this is a very tiny sample size, but and and again, what they will do against Real Madrid is generally it could possibly be different what they're generally going to play. But we do have an interesting um, example of a game against Sevilla, which is a team that attacks quite a bit like Real Madrid do, right? So what about their form in the last couple of games under Abelardo?
1: Yes. So I will focus mostly on that game versus Sevilla, which concerns me a bit because if you read like Alavest, like the tactical fan analyst, like, and see their videos and everything, they were very, like, Alavest lost, but they were very positive about that performance. They... To them, it was the team's best game in several months, one of the best performances of the season. Uh, again, very similar. The 4-4-2 block hasn't changed throughout the season, and despite the change in managers, it still remains. But Ailardo seemed, again, and this is a typical new manager effect, like the players look more focused, they look more intense in the duels, um, and they made life hard for Sevilla, which is a 4-3-3 with chance creation issues very much like Real Madrid's, mm-hmm. uh, which is the main worry. So in that game so in that game, Sevilla got a kind of got a goal off a set piece at first. And afterwards, uh honestly, most of the game was kind of dominated by Alaves in that they managed to shut down Sevilla quite well. Sevilla were not getting off too many dangerous shots. And Alaves was uh, getting was getting counterattacks in. And on and if you look, for example, at, say, expected goal models and everything, Alaves got the better shots throughout mm-hmm. that game and were about to draw it like they missed the penalty towards the end of the game that would have drawn the game. So it was a game, a very good game for Alaves. They might have deserved to draw, to draw that game and they didn't. And it will be Alaves. This Alaves tie will end up as difficult, if not as more difficult as the last one.
0: That's interesting and I and I think it's inter- interesting to just talk about Abelardo a little bit more mostly because like he did such a good job with them a couple years ago um just getting them to the level they were to avoid rele- relegation and actually much better they were they were a nice mid-table team and now he's back and I don't like there's that new manager bounce that you spoke of and i think that's that's quite real it's you know there's data behind it that's a thing like this is when managers first take over there's an initial kind of jolt in the team and then it kind of normalizes but but i think that this could be sustained in a way that actually keeps them out of the relegation zone and i and i think there's a chance that even with even if they lose against real madrid it's possible that the takeaway and their performance would be encouraging and then they can continue uh on a good string here. That's that's kind of the way I see it, mostly because of, you know, Abelardo specifically. He's been good at that in the past. Um what do you think? I mean, you kinda outline off air that they have some struggles to key players, right? Um players we normally would count as reliable, like Lucas Perez on and off, Pacheco, who's been a fantastic goalkeeper over the years. Can you talk about their form a little bit more heading into this?
1: Yes, absolutely. So the thing with Alaves is that throughout the years, yeah, they've usually had their 4 for 2 deep block, and they've had, and all the managers that, uh, that they've had have used that style. The main thing for Alaves has usually been how effective uh, and prone to error are their strikers and their defenders. In previous seasons, they've done decently, like stayed away from relegation, being comfortably in that low mid-table zone, because, uh, for example, their current striker duo is pretty good, like Jose Lu and Lucas Perez. Um, but this season, they are kind of have like bad finishing streaks. They're not getting the goals in. So they are still getting the shots off, but they're not getting the goals in. Again, just bad luck, one of those bad streaks. Pacheco also has been a pretty reliable shot stopper over the years. This season, uh, it's, it has been a bit more streaky, a bit more on and off, and something that shows up a lot. Um, Alaves usually had some pretty reliable center backs that didn't make too many uh, mistakes. Guys like Laguardia, Duarte, uh, and their new signing, Legión, but... Uh, this season they've had a few more mistakes than usual that leads to goals. Like for example, what happened against Sevilla, where Laguardia, who is usually more reliable than that, kind of slipped, and and city took the ball and scored. So it's that like from a game, from a like from a tactics or gameplay, Alaves uh, are have been pretty similar throughout the last few years. It's just it depends a lot on the form of those individual players that are defending their box and attacking the opponent's box. That's what it depends. And Abel, and that's that's kind of Avelardo's role right now. Yeah. He needs to get the confidence of these players up so that they can go back to like their to like a better level of effectiveness and to reduce the mistakes in these individual players. That I think that's his key role rather than tactics, which will remain actually kind of similar.
0: I also think it's you know on on the flip side of that their offense, you know, somebody like Lucas Perez underperforming I think hurts because they're also underperforming their XG by I think about six or seven. I closed the tab now, stupidly, but um, so, so so him not scoring goals is you know becomes problematic too from from an offensive perspective. And I just do wonder if he can get going a little bit. That would I mean I would, obviously that would help tremendously because their offense is below average from a, from both a creation standpoint and an efficiency efficiency standpoint. And uh, if they're gonna rely on their defense, maybe they can. Maybe if they defend better, that can lead to better opportunities as well um, in transition. So I I do. I'm keeping an eye on that side of things as well. Um, What is well before we get to lineups? I mean, what is it that uh, we haven't touched on yet that that you think is really important heading into this game to know?
1: Uh, Before actually previewing the game, I I would say we've we've more. I think we've more. I think we covered everything. As the only other thing I would add. tactics wise um I think with Machine uh, Machin likes his ba- his back three yeah. so but but a la vez it was very much a four4 two team so what he did is this li- is this thing where they defended in a four4 two but when they had the ball they shifted kind of to a back three that's not happening anymore with Abelardo. it's always gonna be a four for two with the ball or without the ball and that's tactically the only thing that is changing Uh, With Alaves, so uh, it's going to be kind of more conservative behavior from the back four, and then you're going to have like pretty aggressive wingers trying to make runs, and it's a very wing-based attack. Like he, uh, but uh, but the fullbacks are very conservative, not going to attack too much. It's mostly on the wingers to make those attacks to try to make the runs. Probably it will be a case of them doing, for example, runs behind Real Madrid's fullbacks in transition. That's that's a very likely line of attack for them
0: so where do you see the key matchups being here I mean obviously you outline extensively like their focus on the wings and stuff and and generally speaking that can be problematic for for Real Madrid to deal with because of of the lack of space on the wings but where do you see the key matchups will they be on the wings will they be elsewhere where where, where what are you keeping your eye on here
1: so uh, so with Alaves, the main threat is, of course, the striker duo of Lucas of Lucas Pérez and José Lu. And the main thing that will decide the game is how much trouble do they cause to Real Madrid's defensive line. Uh, I am particularly worried about the Lucas versus Lucas duo because, uh, again, Lucas Pérez is a very mobile striker. He's the kind of guy who's usually finding, oh, what channel am I going to run into? And uh, I have to admit, I'm not a big fan of of, of Lucas Vasquez as, as right back. Uh, he's had a few good games in the position, but for the most part, it's been a problem defensively. Uh, so that there, it could be it could be an issue. And again, it, like I can just imagine like a game where uh, where Real Madrid have like sixty to 70, the ball, sixty to seventy percent of the time. Uh, guys like Lucas or the winger Rioja are going to try to make those runs behind Lucas uh, constantly to, uh, yeah, uh, to try to t- try to take advantage of that. Baran, Baran will of course have a lot of work uh, dealing with dealing with that. Yeah,
0: I I also think it's also worth pointing out about Lucas Perez. Like even though he's not scoring buckets of goals, is that f- she. He's like in terms of shot creating actions, he's up there among the league's best. And actually if you sort it per ninety, he's second to only to Lionel Messi. So he's gonna I think he's gonna cause problems regardless whether he creates space for Jose Lu to run into or creates something for Jose Lu or creates some chaos and that leads to a rebound or a shot or something. That I think that's gonna be a lot for Lucas Perez or Lucas Vasquez to deal with. And do you think that puts more onus on Marco Asensio to kind of just be a little bit aware defensively.
1: That's actually a really good point. That would be that would be appreciated. That would be appreciated. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, the lucky thing uh, this time is that uh Alaves' fullbacks are pretty conservative and not exactly and they are not productive players in the attack because they're kind of center backs. They're like almost center backs made into fullbacks. So they're not naturally mm. attacking players. They, I don't think they will be huge uh, threats offensively. This feels like something. Something there can a goal is going to come from me saying this. Um, a goal tomorrow will come from me saying that. But at least we know who to blame that, now. Yes, because <laughs> um, I think so. I think. In this particular game, Real won't be punished that much if Asak and Asensio don't track back as much. Mm. But the bigger threat could be, yes, something like Lucas eh, for like the strike. A la strikers and wingers getting together and trying to do, say, a, a, a one or a, a two versus one on Lucas. That could happen. Asensio could be useful in those situations. That's a scenario where I where I could imagine the wingers could be useful in defending.
0: Well, I guess that's why we have Casemiro to just mop up everything. That's his job. <laughs> um, no, I, I could. I mean, like just based on how this game went in November, it's not inconceivable to see uh, this weird game unfold where Real Madrid need a goal, and all of a sudden it's like minute seventy, and then from minute seventy to ninety, it's just this weird sequence of events where Real Madrid have a million players in the opposing half, and and uh, all of a sudden Casemiro has to sprint in transition, or Cordo has to come up big like four times. In those last 20 minutes. That's kind of from... Again, my memory is a little bit fuzzy. But just going back through my notes too. That's kind of what happened in that last game. Is that they needed a goal. And Courtois had to come up big in transition. um, Basically single-handedly keeping Real Madrid in the game. So that's... uh, It may not start... The game may not start that way. But it may unfold that way, I think. Um, Yeah, especially if Real
1: don't score... Like don't score earlier. Because this... Like the script of Real Madrid games this season. Especially versus deep blocks is very similar. Like if you get if by some reason for this game you get like a nice goal like a nice casemiro goal from a set piece like in the first 20 in the first half hour cool the rest of the game yeah. will be a lot might be a lot more calm but if we follow the other script of real madrid versus deep blocks it's you don't score the first 45 minutes and then the team just slowly slowly starts to get like more and more desperate like Pushing more and more men forward, Casemiro starts pushing forward more, and then transition opportunities start appearing more frequently for the opponent. Yeah, that's the kind of script of a game that uh, that we may lose.
0: Yeah. Um, wh- where else on the pitch is uh, interesting
1: for you? Uh, I would say that Jose Lu, the other striker, the target man, mm-hmm. uh, will be normally. I wouldn't be worried about him because he would be covered by Ramos, who usually can deal with this kind of striker pretty well. But I'm a bit worried about that José Lu versus Militao because uh, Militao tends to be a guy who, at, from what we've seen up to now, tends to be a bit more aggressive and rash about his interventions. And if you have like a kind of a smart striker that knows how to move him out of position, uh, that could be dangerous because c- you could have these situations where like they send a long ball to José Lu, he keeps the ball, he attracts Militao. And in the gap left by Militao, then you have other like wingers or Lucas Perez running into that gap. So right. that is a, that is another thing that were that's the other encounter that kind of worries me uh, uh, for for us. And yeah, this is a this is a situation that if it goes wrong, it will go wrong in a very similar way to last game, where you're going to have a lot of these situations of like Alaves catching us off guard in transition with like. Perez and Lu running behind the line a lot of the time, and which will require more Thibaut miracles to prevent those goals. It will. It, it again, I see a similar script uh, to the last game, yeah. Uh, and it will depend a lot, and how it turns out will depend a lot on whether we get like that nice lucky goal from a set piece at the in the first half or not.
0: Yeah, I also th- I thought it'd be uh, good to outline too, and and maybe this isn't something to worry about necessarily the fact cuz because Ferland Mendy is so reliable um but Chimo Navarro is a, is a pretty good dribbler and a little bit underrated and he can he's not he's not going to be like an attacking weapon like somebody uh I don't know so he's not like he's not like an Atrap Hakimi who lives on the shoulder of the defensive line he's going to be very he's going to be very careful with when he goes up the field but if he does like on the odd occasion I think he can he can do something there and maybe swing across into to Jose Lu or Lucas Perez. Something to keep an eye on. I again I, I think I'd be a little bit more worried about that if Marcelo was playing in this game, which I th- I think we all think that that Mendy will. So um what do you think, kinda just to broaden the lineup discussion a little bit, how will how will um Alavez line up in this game?
1: Yeah, so uh in this case again it will be the same four for two, uh, as always. Uh, it w- for for this one, not much rotation from the Sevilla game. The main thing that changes is that Lucas Perez recovered from his injury and will be back in the squad and in the starting lineup most surely. Uh, so w- what we're gonna get is basically that Sevilla lineup plus Lucas mm. Perez, uh, Fernando Pacheco as the keeper. Uh, the center-back pair, as Florian Lejeune and Victor LaGuardia. Uh, the the fullbacks, Ruben Duarte and, Ch- and Chimo Navarro. Again, they're kind of conservative. Chimo tends to be a bit more offensive. Uh, then, double pivot, similar double-pivot to the one under Machin. So, Tomás Pin and Rodrigo Bataglia. Again, they're not really great passers. They're more like just guys with a lot of defensive work rate. Wings, Luis Rioja and Edgar Mendes who Mendes tends to be kind of a danger because he likes to make like those diagonal runs from the wing into the box. Uh normally I'd be a bit more worried about that, but I think Mendy is good. will be good at dealing with him and which is why I I can breathe a bit more a bit more calmly about that. And yeah. up front you have yeah, Lucas Perez and Joselu who are again the big threat uh in the case of Alavés.
0: So um this one, in terms of Real Madrid, I, I don't I, I don't know if we. You know I think many a scholar has tried to predict Zidane's lineups, and even in the most obvious of times, sometimes they get it wrong. Um, but do you what what do you see Real Madrid? How do you see them lining up tomorrow?
1: As yeah, as I said earlier, I think Sidan his lesson from the Alcoyano will be, oh, I'll just stick to the to, to the same lineup as always, no rotation. So it's basically I kind of, my expectation is basically the Athletic lineup with Militao instead of instead of Ramos. That's basically what I expect.
0: Yeah, um, that, I think that sounds about right to me. So um, are you are you also doing a written version of this on the site at some point?
1: absolutely this okay. will get turned into into a written version in the ne- in the next few hours
0: <laughs> okay cool thank god because I, I was i almost didn't bring it up but then i was because i didn't want to all of a sudden put pressure on you to have to release something but i just assumed that you you had something ready to go for for this game so uh look out for jose's uh piece on this which will go up um and again keep it locked on managing for a lot of content go follow jose on Twitter underscore at J C Perez underscore is that it
1: so it's J C Perez underscore got just it one, just the last one
0: right okay so go do all that and then we'll be back tomorrow night after the game to break it down hopefully break down a w um so hope you guys enjoyed this bonus segment and we'll see you tomorrow thanks jose thanks for your time man appreciate it
1: thanks for having me kian and thanks everyone for listening see ya